Welcome into the Prep Baseball Report California podcast. We've got a packed show for you today. We go inside the dugout with Redondo Union head coach Andy Diver and Ayala head coach Chris Boat. Steve Doherty will join me to break down the CIF Southern Section playoffs from last week and take a look ahead to the action coming up this week. Stay tuned for that packed show coming up next. Welcome back to the Prep Baseball Report California podcast. I'm pumped to be joined by SoCal Area Scout Steve Doherty. Though, a couple of games kicked things off for the playoffs last week. We got a game coming up tomorrow and then a game at the end of the week. So a couple of games this week. So, hey, thanks for joining me, bro. I mean, I know it's been a busy time, so thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me, Les. I, uh, I took in a couple wild card games. Uh, at the beginning of the week last week and 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 then took in a first rounder and got to say man good baseball is is here and uh ready to go on the second round there's some tough matchups yeah tough matchups but I, I love that you said that good baseball because this time of year that, that's what you get right i mean rarer that are the blowouts in the and obviously in the blow and the postseason uh, but I mean, we had a couple extra inning games. We had just some really good. I, I was at an extra inning game in the Division One game that I was at last week, and man, it was just fun baseball, good baseball. So let's dive into your game. Uh, you know, Tuesday you got over, you got to see Gardena from Sarah, or sorry, Gardena Sarah, and their loaded roster. What'd you see there? Uh, I'm sure you saw. In addition to the number of scouts. There was. There was guys packed in there, and uh, Sarah took on South from Torrance, and Bender was on the mound, and he was just his old self, just as I went in last time. He was he was slicing and dicing these kids, and I think it was one of those, you know, on days for, for everyone. I mean, it was a pretty offensive day. Makai Backstrom hit a home run. Um, you know, these guys were taking really good at bats and they're really focusing in. And that's what this time of time of year really brings. It brings that that extra level of focus for these guys. And uh, when you mix the focus with the talent, uh, you're going to see some good things. Yeah, no doubt. It's particularly with that that Sarah roster, right? I mean, the draft being, you know, less than a month away, those guys are definitely dialed in at this point and, you know, trying to win a ring there before they, they head off to their future. But, uh, yeah, you know, on, on I got over and saw Chaminade against Aliso last week. And, man, Evan Fitterer, he was dialed in. He, he brought the scouts in in droves. Uh, you know, he touched 95 a couple times. I want to say there was about 30 scouts there uh, to see him. And there were some, some important decision makers there as well. So touched 95, was, was living 92, 94. Uh, you know, the slider was on point, man. He, was, he looked really good, though. And into the sixth, he was still 91, 92. Uh, and even into the seventh, that game went into the eighth, and I mean, Hoopengardner tied it in the seventh, and then won it in the eighth. So that's pretty legit. That's pretty fun. You know, it's going to be a memory that senior will f- remember for the rest of his life, huh? No doubt, man. I mean, these guys are locked and loaded. I mean, they got more pitching left, and it's just scary to kind of look at it and say, you know, who are they going to run out there next? There's been this, you know, since Friday to tomorrow. There's you know, good rest by all these pitchers. So I think all three of those, that three-headed monster, Deliso, is going to be ready to go for this week. They're, they're going to be tough. Yeah, totally. Quinn Matthews came in. He threw because the game did go eight. So Matthew, Matthews 
uh, through the final inning there. You know, he looked pretty sharp, too. He was 87, 89 uh, with a you know, pretty good slider, too. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're they're going to be an interesting team moving forward. They face El Toro, who, I mean, they they blanked uh, South Hills last week, eight to nothing. And, and that was a little bit of a surprise to some people. But, you know, El Toro's at home. And, I mean, you just can never catch catch out or count out an El, a good El Toro team at this time you of year. You can't. Absolutely. These, this playoff time of year for El Toro, they've done it before, right? The coach has been through it. And, um, you know, their neighbors, Aliso and, and El Toro, they're not too far apart. So that's going to be a good one to be at. And I'm sure it's going to be a packed house over there. No doubt. And the, and the good games just kind of, they continue tomorrow. It's going to be, you know, some... Uh, we talked about Ayala against Harvard Westlake, uh, um, you know, and then obviously Huntington Beach and Amat. So just some really good games. But, you know, sticking with uh, last week, I mean, we saw, uh, you know, some no real surprises, I guess. You know, Ukaipa with the big 4-0 win over Edison. Uh, you know, then Foothill, uh, you know, going up to, or pardon me, losing to West Ranch. So that sets up a pretty interesting matchup. I mean, I know that you saw West Ranch a couple times during the National yep. Classic, uh, mm-hmm. as did I, and, and, and both of us really like that team. And, uh, you know, they, they're going to take on Ukaipa. And, you know, we've both seen Ukaipa a bunch this year. So that should be a really good, te- really good game, huh? Yeah, no, they come at you, Ukaipa, from a lot of different angles, a lot of talent around the field. Um, you know, Tyson Hayden, I think he's going to be getting the start. So, uh, he is always a, a, a tough, tough guy, tough competitor. And if he's on, um, watch out for these guys. And Les, I wanted to circle back to the, um, way back a little bit to, to the wildcard game, which was Dondo that I saw it was, and it really surprised me that they went with Jake Towd. It kind of seemed like from the outside looking in that they were almost looking past a Wilson, um, you know, you'd figure, hey, they got one game to win and getting the getting the first round, they would be going with Dahlquist. But they went with Jake Tao against Wilson, who's been known to number one upset people and has been also known to uh, put a few <laughs> string a few wins together in the playoffs. And so Jake Tao went for that wild card game, and he was he was on point, man. He was working east, west, north, and south, and um, just just an excellent performance. And they got some great offensive performances from Dikashea. Uh, and the boys over there so um i wanted to circle back and just let you know about about that game yeah no that that redondo team will have coach diver on here shortly that that redondo team is really good man we saw those guys a couple times during the national classic too and man that 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 lineup is just really deep and and you're right interesting little strategy right i mean they they ended up throwing dahlquist on friday up in santa barbara uh you know and now they they now they depending on who you talk to right they caught a break with king beating bonita and so mm-hmm. you know the game i was at uh, on friday there and uh y- you know that that king team man coach madrill you can never count those guys out and it's kind of like the you know that's that scrappy attitude that they have in the ie and and you know coach coach madrill he's from there he grew up in riverside and that's you know that's his thing and, and he believes it and uh, you know, his players certainly play that way. So it's going to be – that should be a really good game tomorrow. Uh, I think they're throwing Thaw again um, against uh, uh, King. So, you, you know, they, they got a nice little outing from um, – King did uh, from uh, Parker Welsh against Benita, man. He was he was on point. So that should be a yep. pretty good game. No doubt. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, that'll do it for last week. Uh, Doherty and I'll be back here in just a few minutes as we'll take a look ahead to this week and some potential matchups coming down the pipe. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Redondo Union head coach Andy Diver. Welcome back to the Prep Baseball Report California podcast. I'm really excited about our next guest. Uh, he is a veteran, uh, veteran coach here in not only Southern California, but uh, in the college landscape as well. Uh, he's a graduate from LMU, where he pitched for two years after spending some time at Harbor College in Los Angeles. Uh, he spent four years as the head coach at Harbor College, uh, seven total uh, as an assistant as well. Spent two years at the University of Arizona and is now in his second year at Redondo Union High School. Pleased to be joined by head coach Andy Diver. Coach, thanks for making time. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Really excited to have you. Awesome. Thanks, Les. Uh, excited to be here. And, and thanks. A shout out to you and your guys for all the hard work you do, a coverage of the guys uh, all throughout California. It's just amazing today, the, the coverage you guys do. Really, really appreciate it. Awesome rule. Really appreciate those those kind words. And and coach, you guys uh you guys coming off a a, a pretty impressive little road there uh this season at twenty two and nine, eight and two in league. Uh you guys are into the playoffs here. Uh but you know, take us through your roster a little bit. You know, obviously everybody knows Drew Dahlquist, uh, you sure. know, and, and, and we'll get into him a little bit. Uh but there are other guys on your roster uh that you know that People, you know, who don't follow it as closely as, say, you know, myself or, or you or some of the other coaches do, uh, that are some really big time players you have on your roster. Why don't you take us through a few of those guys? Yeah, thanks, Les. We we have a we have a deep group, you know, uh, senior led. Um, Christian Dicochia is a guy that obviously is on everybody's uh, everybody's map in high school baseball. Christian's a University of Washington commit and is a three year starting shortstop for us. Um, he hits in the three hole. He's, I think he's about a 480 uh, career high school guy. Can really hit. Um, solid, solid player. Um, Jake Thaw, big country, is another one on the mound. I think Jake's 16 and three in his career at Redondo in two years at the varsity, and uh, is is really you know um, is, is a headliner. We kind of we're kind of fortunate with Drew and Jake, you know, there to have two aces. Um, you know, if uh, last year Jake kind of before drew kind of got on the map, Jake was our, our guy. And this year drew and Jake are one and one a, um, we're going to hand the ball to Jake tomorrow and, um, have a lot of confidence in him, but he, he's been really great for us for two years. Um, Brett McCauley's a junior on our roster that is a university of Oregon commit who, uh, Brett hit five ten this year. So, I mean, 500 hitter in the high school level against really good competition. He's a phenomenal player and, and one that's going to have a great career uh, next year at Redondo and and, and beyond for uh, Coach Horton and Coach Ullman, his staff up there at Oregon. Um, two other seniors that we've been really, really um, excited about this year, Theo Forche, our third baseman. He's a University of Santa Barbara commit. Um, Theo struggled last year offensively and has really come back and found his own um, hitting around 370 for us and is in the middle of our lineup. And Max Zamaripa, who has been a just a – fantastic consistent player for us all year hits in the leadoff spot he's a senior left-handed hitter uh leads our team in walks close to 40 walks hitting around 360 is really a catalyst for getting on base for us for those you know the macaulays and uh and the decochias and the forches of the lineup who tend to drive in a lot of runs for us so we're, we're pretty deep throughout a uh, real excited group 
Yeah, you definitely are deep. And then you mix in a couple of sophomores there, Patrick Stark, namely that, you know, infielder there who's got a chance to be really, really good for you here for the next couple of years. Yeah. Uh, d- deep, deep lineup, you know, just watching you guys over at the National Classic, it's it's not only that it's a deep lineup, but what I really was intrigued by is that it's a very disciplined lineup, right? I mean, you guys aren't out there chasing bad pitches. You're not, you know, out there swinging for the fences. Your guys seem really dialed into what the plan is and what the approaches and they just seem to follow that plan and that approach has it always been like that you know or or did it take some time after you came on board last year to get these guys to buy in to what it is you were trying to teach them yeah um yeah it's definitely taken some time I mean I think Dico Chia was really the only guy that played as a sophomore for them um and so when I came in we're talking about uh, molding kind of an entire new group of guys and and trying to create a concept and, and uh, buy into a philosophy that that I like, um, uh, we, we yeah we we pride ourselves on um, taking pitches and and being disciplined at the plate. Um, we have some power throughout our lineup. I think we've hit 24, 25 home runs this year. Uh, partially a product of a short right field fence, but we've hit some home runs at some legit fields as well. Um, I think our guys have just really done a good job day in day out. We try to get a report on their pitcher and uh adjust to the concept of uh just kind of sticking with our strengths uh not trying to be anybody that we're not and, and playing the game in the right way offensively let's 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 shift gears a little bit over to your pitching because you, you mentioned both of those guys right and and we talked about Dahlquist a little bit at the top there but you mentioned Thaw and here's a guy I love the nickname Big Country because it's so fitting yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know and that's exactly what he is I mean I saw him last year when you guys faced off against Miracosta there uh in, in that last uh series of the season and mm-hmm. man he, he was he was nails and he was carried that into the fall and into the spring what's it been like for him uh you know from your perspective and how has yeah. he how has he responded to you know all this attention that that Dahlquist is getting rightfully so kind of sure. you know when he was getting a little bit of that last year yeah you know Jake's done a fantastic job of of, of uh, being a great teammate uh, him and Drew have a great relationship um we have kind of a couple of different mantras that we use around our our program and one of them is control the controllable and um, so I talked to Jake a lot about that. Like, we can't control what people think of him. Um, you can't control if somebody drafts him or somebody doesn't draft him. And you can't control uh, the hype that Drew's been getting. And that, and that hype is very deserving. But Jake is a competitor. Um, he is a, he's a, um, a guy that's driven to kind of take this program on, the back, on their back when, when he um, pitches and says, you know what, Drew's going to take care of his job one day a week and I'll take care of it the other job. And and they really work well together. But I think Jake early on was maybe a little bit pressing a little bit with the radar guns and, and seeing Drew uh, get the, you know, 45 scouts a game. And that stuff could be a little bit, um, you know, kind of a, a, a machismo thing, right, where guys are competing against each other. And then all of a sudden the scouts leave and, and uh, you know, in the tank a little bit. But we talked about it and control the controllable is something that he stuck with and done a fantastic job. And has been very unselfish when it comes to just kind of putting the team first and just working hard. And I get that sense just from my limited interactions with him that that's just the type of kid he is too, right? So it's not a matter of if if the situation were were different, whether it was you know something to do with school or something to do with a you know, maybe a personal relationship. You figure that he's probably going to respond the same way, right? I mean, he just seems to be a very kind of 
even keeled uh, type of kid that that uh, goes with the flow. Yeah, he really is. He's relaxed, you know, um, and, and just like you said, goes with the flow. Um, internally, he'll process a little bit, and, and it, it could bother him, or he could get real competitive with it. Um, but externally, you know, he shows up and and does his job, pulls his hat down low, and then laces him up and gets after it. So he's done a really good job of handling a situation that potentially could turn somebody a little bit selfish, I think, but he's done a fantastic job. 100%. Now let's shift gears a little bit to Dahlquist because, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, obviously people knew who he was, but I mean, he just kind of exploded onto the scene a little bit here. Uh, you know, obviously with the Arizona committee, he's not a completely unknown player, right? sure. but, but I mean, I think some of the things you're hearing now in terms of where he potentially could go in the draft, you, you wouldn't have said that, you know, January 25th. Uh, yeah. but, but you know, what's that been like, uh, you know, from a coach's perspective, obviously you been in this seat before where you know, you've sent plenty of players onto the pro ball uh, level but what's it like from a coach's perspective and what sort of I guess wisdom for a lack of better word you try to impart on him you know in handling this sort of situation sure well exploding onto the scene is an understatement I mean we um you know he he didn't throw much for us in the fall um he did some stuff with travel and October, we kind of shut him down and um, shut him down through November with the idea that we were just going to throw some bullpens in December, get him ready for a few starts in January in the fall. Uh, we played a fall, a late fall game in January um, against Los Alamitos at home. Matty knew as a dear friend of mine, and uh, I was getting the field ready at about 3.15 for a 4 o'clock start, and I noticed about 30 scouts in the stands. And I went, wow, man, something something interesting is going on here with Dahlquist. And um, he was 92-94 that night. I don't think he's wavered off that in four and a half months. Uh, you know, for the most part, he stayed pretty consistent. Um, Drew is a ideal coach's dream. I mean, he is a 4.2 student. His work ethic is off the charts. Um, he's a team-first guy. Uh, I think I shared with you at the National Classic a little bit when we got a chance to visit. He's he's a guy that's told the JV guys after their game, say, don't do the mound. I'll take care of the mound. Uh, he owns every bit of this program. Um, he's a captain. He's a guy that guys look up to. Uh, he's just done a fantastic job. Very humble kid, too. Uh, he was getting loose in the bullpen, I think, a week later. We played Los Alamitos again. And... Uh, you know, a week later, uh, all the scouts were there again, and I, I kind of joked with them, and I fall ball environment, pretty relaxed, and I said, hey, man, enjoy this thing. Everybody wants to be treated like a rock star at some point in their life, and you now are, so enjoy it and suck it up and live it up and be humble, and he has done that. Um, you know, he's got guys, you know, asking for autographs, the kids in the area asking for autographs, and people posing for pictures with them. It really, really a unique environment, but something I've kind of stepped back and just watched and let him be, be in the moment and enjoy it. Cause it's something really special, but he's done a fantastic job handling it. It really, it is really special. You're, you're right. And just watching it from afar and watching the way he, you know, interacted with his teammates and kind of navigates in and out of the dugout. And it's, you would never know, right? I mean, if you yeah. didn't see those 50 scouts in the stands, you would never know. And I think that says more, um, you know, about him as a, as a, as a young man and, and, you know, what his future holds than, you know, anything that I see on the mound, because that is just, that's a difficult thing to do, particularly in today's day and age. Sure. Sure. With social media, you know, and, and there's articles and, 
and stuff written about Drew pretty much on a daily basis. And it, it, it really hasn't gotten to him at all. Um, such a humble kid. Drew, in fact, sat, we, we pride ourselves every Dondo on playing. We play a lot of night games. And uh, Drew on Saturdays, uh, most kids are sleeping in until, you know, 1030 or 11 and having breakfast at noon and rolling into the field. Drew's up at 6 a.m. and he works at a fitness center here in town. And so Drew works in the mornings then comes home and does homework and then gets ready and goes to the field. Um, so this kid is uh, he's above and beyond in terms of his makeup and character. I just really, really happy for him. And he's such a humble, hardworking kid. Great family. We got his younger brother, Matthew, in the program, who's going to be really good, too. Uh, who is really good and is going to be a real special talent down the road as well. Yeah, that that that's pretty awesome. So, Div, we we talk about South Bay baseball and sure. how, you know how it's a little underrepresented and you know it's not covered outside of really Redondo and Miracosta. Um, and, but you know what? There's just some really really good talent in, in that area. As, you know, Russ Morgan, who scouts for us, has been just covering the heck out of it, and he comes back with some of these reports on these guys, and, and it's just like, and you watch the video and you go see them, and it just really all adds up. What is it about that area that's really you know produces quality play? Players. There's just a really good feel for baseball in that area. What what is it about that area that's just really baseball community rich? Well, yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, I'm a South Bay guy growing up at St. Bernard's High School and graduating in, in 1991. I mean, the South Bay is loaded with talent. Uh, always has been. I think always will be. I think it's a, a credit to the youth programs. I think are very strong here in Redondo. We have two very strong youth programs. Uh, that that just produce really really good players. Uh, the other the other key thing I think is the the legacy of the fantastic coaches that have been in the South Bay uh, over the last 40, 50 years. I mean, you're talking about John Stevenson, you know, the all time winningest coach in the history of the CIF, I believe, uh, at El Segundo there for years, and Harry Jenkins, who is a Redondo slash West Torrance coach, who has close to a thousand wins. Tim Amentorp, who was a longtime coach at Redondo High as well. The legacy of the coaches that have come through the South Bay are, are just fantastic and very strong. Uh, all the programs are just so strong and so tough day in, day out. Um, you know, Maricosta, their, their program is elite. Keith Ramsey, the head coach there, does a fantastic job. Keith played for me. I coached him in 1998 at Loyola High. And he pitched for me for two years at Harbor College. So Keith's like a son to me. Uh, we've been through so much together, a player, a coach. And to see him uh, reaping the benefits of his hard work and the success their program is having is is really fun to see. But, I mean, Torrance High School with Terry Dewan, they've won CIF titles. And Palos Verdes High has won CIF titles. Uh, you know, their tradition is very deep and very rich here in, in the South Bay. I, I mirror it to the talent and the success that the orange County has, to be honest with you, I think they're, they're equal. I think orange County probably a little bit more depth and notoriety in terms of producing some top draft pick guys. But in terms of just producing solid college baseball and high school players, South Bay is right up there with them. Yeah, no question on that. You touched on it there a little bit, and I wanted to dive into that. And that's that rivalry with Miracosta, right? Because yeah, you, I mean, it's got to be really neat for you as a head coach to uh, see a, you know, look across the dug across the field in the other dugout and see a former player uh, as the head coach. That's got to be a pretty special feeling for you. But what I mean for for people outside of that area, that rivalry. Mm-hmm. If you've never experienced it, if you've never gone to that game, a game in that rivalry. 
you know, how do you describe that? I was there last year, as I mentioned that, sure. you know, and you guys were both, you know, trying to win that league title there at the end. Yep. And, and it yep. was, I was there almost an hour and a half before the game, and about an hour before the game, if you didn't have a seat, you weren't sitting. Um, so, what is it about that rivalry? And, and I mean. What's it like, you know, being a part of it as a coach? Yeah, and, sure. And, you know, and getting your guys ready for that. Well, it's electric, man. It, it, this year was amazing. Uh, the the slugfest that was deemed as the pitching duel of the matchup between Dahlquist and Christian Bodlevich, who's a phenomenal high school pitcher, uh, turned into a twelve ten battle uh, battle of wills and offensive approaches. That we were lucky to be on the on the top end of that one, but. That that game was played under the lights at Redondo in front of what I would say close to five to seven hundred fans. I mean, it was from the public streets to Prospect Boulevard being packed, fans in the outfield, kids in the trees and the bullpens. I mean, it was f- fantastic. Um, you know that that rivalry is a product of strong tradition. Obviously, we're talking about two really great programs. But the cool thing about that is, I mean, the schools are separated by about uh, five ten stoplights. You know, so two miles. Uh, all these kids know each other. They either played little league or Babe Ruth or pony ball or travel ball with or against one another. Uh, the families know each other for the most part, uh, and so it just intensifies things. When you know, at the end of the year, the Bay League title is going to come down to those school, those two schools, and um, you're talking about really, really good players. I think at one point uh, during a Redondo Maricosta game, you might have 13 Division One commits on the field. Uh, and that's pretty impressive between two programs that are separated between, uh, you know, two miles. Uh, so th- that really intensifies things. Yeah, it's 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 truly is an electric atmosphere. And, and you know, Miracosta got the best of you guys there in the, in, the, in the follow-up game and ended up winning the Bay League. But after that, you guys ended up getting a wild card into the D2 playoffs and had to face off against Wilson and then jump on the road up to Santa Barbara, winning both of those games. And so here we sit, you know, Monday morning, and you guys are looking at King High School in the next round of the playoffs. Uh, sure. Which, you know, which is, you know, King, some could say, pulled the upset in beating Bonita. You know, if you look at the seedings, it was an upset. Right. Uh, I, I was at that game, and, it, you know, it, it's those were two really good teams just do you know dueling it out so uh what do you know about king what are you expecting to see from king uh you know and and let's talk a little bit about uh you know that 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 drive to santa barbara man because you and i chatted after you got in your car at yeah. about at about nine o'clock on friday sure getting, sure getting home from getting home from santa barbara so let's first stay there so let's talk a little bit about that road trip to santa barbara that game what you saw from dahlquist your team uh before yeah. we hop into king for sure. Yeah. We, um, yeah, two hour and 30 minute drive up and, uh, we arrived an hour before game two fifteen on the button out of the bus. Um, guys were loose. We have a loose group. Uh, they have a lot of fun together. Um, I wasn't loose. I was stressed beyond belief, um, knowing that we're playing a first place team in their place, uh, and didn't really have uh, much information on them there that we knew that they, they had a good guy on the mound and some really good position players, uh, our guys, uh, took advantage of an early air and scored too early and then turned it over to drew. And I don't think he gave up a hit through the first four innings. Um, I wouldn't say it was his best outing, but he sure did compete. And when we, he needed to make pitches, he did. And then offensively, I mean, Dico Chia with a huge double Critchett had a home run late. Um, uh, Dio Forche, who's a Santa Barbara commit had four, five RBIs, uh, team effort all the way around. I think we pounded out 13 hits. Um, so really we just, um, 
if you saw us play that day, you'd probably say, gosh, how, how would this team ever lose? Um, because we were clicking on all cylinders. We played good defense. Uh, we had timely hits throughout a uh, seven-inning game and went uh, Dahlquist for six innings, uh, you know, end up winning that game 12-2 against a really good opponent. Yeah, now so now you guys are the road warriors once again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you you guys, like you said, you're covering kind of the entire map here of California. So you drive up to Santa Barbara, spend about five hours on a bus getting to and from, and now you'll head out to Riverside to take on King. Coach Madrill does just a really, really good job with that program, and, and he's got that thing, uh, you know, trending in the right direction. Now that's a, that's a roster with some talent, and, and just in talking to him, you know, it looks like you're going to be uh, facing one of their really good pitchers in Caden Moeller. So what do you know about King? What, what sorts of things are you expecting from them here this week? Yeah, I don't know much about King other than what I've tried to beat out of my high school uh, coaches in the last two days, trying to get some information. Um, obviously, they got a very talented roster, got some Division One commits and some good guys on the mound and well-coached. Um, everybody I've talked to said they play hard. Uh, they're going to scrap and they play really hard. And that's something that, um, you know, is, is kind of a staple with the, uh, Riverside area teams that tough kids. And we had some battles my days back at Harbor with Dennis Rogers and his Riverside community college teams back in the early two thousands, late nineties. And, and a really good baseball players be really tough kids. Uh, and I expect them, uh, to be both of those things and well coached. Uh, I, I anticipate an absolute dogfight of a game on Tuesday. Yeah, I think that's uh, probably a good uh, expectation on your part. And so the winner winner advances, uh, coach. If it's you, uh, you might actually get a home game here uh, in the yeah, next round. I actually, the, yeah, the next round I of the playoffs. On, yeah, I saw on Twitter this morning. I actually followed a coin flip, and they they called out the uh, the next round matchups, and I think we won the coin flip. So uh, yeah, we're, we're you know that would be great if it happened. Uh, we're not focusing on anything other than good practice today, a safe bus ride tomorrow, and getting off the bus and hopefully playing a a really complete baseball game against a fantastic team um, in King, you know. Awesome. Well, Coach, I I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us and, you know, taking us deep into your team and kind of your season, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Uh, So thanks a bunch, Coach, for coming on. Absolutely, Les. Again, thanks to you and and to Russ and all of your team, man, the – the stuff that you guys do is just incredible. It's great for kids and uh, really, really fun to watch how you guys just kind of put kids on the next level in terms of making them feel really important and validated with all their hard work. So shout out to you guys, all your efforts. Thanks so much. Big thanks, Coach. We'll talk real soon. Okay, thanks. We'll be right back with the Yala head coach, Chris Boat. <laughs> Pleased to be joined by our next guest. He's the eighth-year head coach at Ayala High School. Before that, he spent three years at Sunny Hills. I'm excited to welcome in head coach Chris Boat. Coach, thanks for spending some time with us. Excited to dive into a little bit more information on the Ayala Bulldogs. Well, thank you very much, Les, for having me. Awesome. Well, Coach uh, Boat. You know, people who follow baseball closely are familiar with, you know, your team, obviously, 
Uh, we have you ranked in the Power 25, I believe, all year. Uh, you guys are a deep and talented team this year. Uh, you know, at the top, we know the guys, uh, you know, Joe Naranjo, uh, Cole Korniarski, Dylan Cook, some of those other guys. But your roster is much more than just, you know, those two or three guys. You know, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, some of the other guys on your roster that have you uh, pumped heading into uh, the game this week? Okay, yeah, we, you know, the, the roster is a really good mix of seniors who a lot of them have been around for three plus years on varsity. And then a lot of really talented younger guys. Um, you said Cole Koniarski. I mean, he, he kind of burst on the scene last year. He was first team all CIF. Um, I think he was first team all state. Like this kid has potential just off the charts. He's had a great year again for us. He's hit right around 400. Um, and it, to be honest, he hasn't even scratched his potential. He's going to be, he's a really good get for Cal state Fullerton. He's going to be a star for a long time going forward. Uh, a couple other kids, John Pappas catcher. He's a Cal poly Pomona commit. Uh, he committed pretty early in the process. He grew up always wanting to go to Pomona, turned down a couple D one schools, but defensively behind the plate, he's as good as they come. Um, he's been a four-year starter for us. He started because of an injury, I think the third game of his freshman year, and he's never given up the spot. This year, he's been just kind of shown that offense that we've been waiting for, hit about 370, he's hit five or six home runs, and um, he's been a big part of our success. Now we have Sean McLeod. He's a St. Mary's commit. He's a junior. He moved over to shortstop for us. We had an injury. Kid kind of who we thought was going to be shortstop hurt his wrist. Sean stepped over, and I mean, he's done a fantastic job. He's a He's a little guy, about 5'8", but he's nothing but energy and just plays the game the right way. Um, and then the other one, Daniel Ramirez. Daniel Ramirez is a three-year starter at third base for us. Defensively, I mean, he's he's phenomenal. He just makes plays, and you're just like, I don't know how this kid made it. Um, offensively, struggled a little bit early, but he's been swinging the bat great. Um, he's a Cal Poly Pomona commit as well, and the kid, he's going to have a really good college career, and he's been a big part of our success. Yeah, it's been fun to watch him kind of grow and, and evolve all those guys, uh, particularly, you know, McLeod and Ramirez just following your team and watching your team the last couple of years. And and I think Ramirez is the type of guy that, you know, he's going to go to Cal Poly, Cal Poly Pomona uh, and have a big time career there. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I actually I think he's one of those kids. And we've had some that come through our program where they actually when they go on to college, they're way more successful than they were in high school. And his swing's starting to come through, and he's extremely strong. And when that when that clicks, and his offense is where his defense is, he's he's a really good get for Cal Poly. I think he's going to be a big time guy for them. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that. Then the the other guy that obviously we we all know about is uh, Joe Naranjo, Cal State Fullerton commit, uh, MLB draft prospect. This. Uh, you know, this spring coming up here next month, man, that's 30 days away. So, uh, you, you know, tell us a little bit about Joe. I mean, you know, you and I go back a few years here. And yeah. I remember when he was uh, going into his <laughs> freshman year, texting you saying, hey, you, you've got a really good one coming in. And and man, he's he's been that for four years, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, his the first day of our incoming freshman camp, uh, I had heard you had text me you're like hey this kid says he's coming to Iola he's on a I think it was a showcase or something and I was like I just want to see this kid hit so we did BP on the first day and he's just peppering right center field wall I'm just like wow this kid I mean I think from his first first game I think he was our cleanup hitter and I know he was our number three on the mound I know he's not going to pitch after high school but his uh, he leads he holds several records for uh, pitching in our program and he's offensively he's been great 
defensively, he's been a four-year starter at first. He's played some outfield this year. We've kind of we want to limit his amount of throws, so he hasn't been playing right as much recently. Um, but he's shown some versatility, and he's just a great kid to have around. He's he's very quiet, just very businesslike. But the kids love him. I don't think you could probably go through our entire team and. I, I don't think there's any kid that would say anything negative about him. He's just a great, great kid. And we're going to really miss him. Just his presence. I mean, forget the baseball side, just in the dugout. He's such a pleasure to have out here and every day. It's fun. It's fun to see him out here. It's been fun to see him grow, not only as a baseball player, but as a person in the last few years. Yeah. I think when I texted you about him being a really good player, I think I also mentioned good luck getting a smile out of him and having, <laughs> and having him say, you know, five words to you other than yes, sir. No, sir. <laughs> Just a great kid, <laughs> as you said, but let's talk about his transition to the outfield. You know, obviously, you know, left-handed pitcher, his size with his velocity probably isn't going to, uh, you know, make many waves in the MLB draft. And, you know, the bat obviously is, and I, at least in my opinion, is the carrying tool here. What, what prompted the transition to the outfield? You know, was it him? Was it you? Was it kind of a combination of both? And, you know, how did he adjust? You know, to, obviously I'm assuming it took him, you know, some time out there, but how did he adjust and how's that adjustment been for him? Well, we talked in the fall. He played a couple games for uh, Angels Elite. I think he got a few innings in the outfield, and he brought it up to us, and we're very fortunate. I mean, we have three very good first basemen. So to move him away from first, we have the luxury where we could defensively, we can withstand that. And we started just getting some reps out there, and you know, he's done so much for us. When he comes to us, he's never asked for anything. He's probably the most one of the most low maintenance people I've ever had in the program. So when he asks something like that, obviously we're going to, we're going to try and accommodate him. So we worked with him out there and I told him, I'm not going to put you in a situation until you're comfortable out there. And we did the MLK tournament at Servite and he came up to me before the game. I was I'm ready coach. So we went for it and he did a great job. Uh, he does. He's pretty good at reading balls off the bat. He gets good jumps. He's got a strong arm. I think with extended repetition, something that we just can't give if he has that individual coach uh, at the next level that just spends a couple days with him working on kind of those those little intricacies i think he's gonna i think he's got some pretty good potential out there he moves well strong arm and he's extremely smart i love the last point you made and i'm glad you made it because if you didn't i was going to he is extremely smart just a really high baseball iq type kid right i mean you, oh, yeah. when you watch him i mean just when i watch him from the stands you just watch and you can kind of see that he is planning a step ahead especially when he's on the mound but when he's at the plate i mean it's really neat to see him just he's never guessing at the plate i mean no. it seems like he has a plan and approach and he just sticks to it oh yeah and you see it a lot on the base paths with him just reads out of hand it's it's just it's something that we work on, but his understanding and his feel for it is just so much next level stuff. Um, he, he steals bags just because he sees stuff so much better than other people. And it makes up, maybe he not, may not be the fastest person, but I couldn't tell you the last time he was thrown out trying to steal. Yeah, just a really, really heady ball player. And all those guys that you mentioned there, really good, really heady high school boss players. They, you know, those guys helped lead you guys to a 25 and 5 record this year. I mean, that's that's nothing to sniff about, right? And I mean, that schedule you go put together for this year was 
was pretty loaded. Uh, you know, obviously the spring break tournament there was a big one for you, but why don't you take us through kind of the thought process of putting together this schedule? Was it one of those things where, hey, we have some some talent, we're pretty deep, we're moving up to Division One for the postseason potentially? Because I'm I'm assuming you didn't know that prior to yeah. this, uh, but you probably had a good feeling. Um, you know, so was that kind of the thought process when putting together this schedule, or, or what what were you thinking when you when you you know put all these teams to, on paper and said, hey, let's play ball? Yeah, we try. I mean, year in and year out, we we try to play as difficult of a schedule as possible outside the league. Uh, we try to get our kids ready not only for league. Last few years, we've had we've, we're we're in a very difficult league. We lost South Hills this year, but typically it was a very very quality baseball league. And we know if we don't play a tough schedule, we're not going to be ready for league. And if we're not ready for league, we're definitely not going to be ready for playoffs. So opportunity came this year for us to be on the Boris. And it was a great experience. And, um, you know, with some success that we had last year, we made it to the semis in D2. It, it's a lot easier to get some of those high profile schools to play us. Uh, people kind of know us a little bit more. People want to drive down here. Valencia came down. We're going to go up there next year. And we're constantly just trying to play as as good of a schedule as possible. I mean, my, I would much rather us be ready to go for league and postseason than us to gather wins. And we've been lucky because we're, we have some talent. So we've been winning a lot of those games, but even in our fall and our winter schedule, we play, we try to play all the Trinity league schools and we'll load up and we play Corona a lot. And we try to play teams that are going to challenge us because the more we're challenged, we're going to kind of see what we got. And these kids, when we get to the Boris and when we get to league and when we get to playoffs, the hope is we're so prepared. We're not, we're not in awe of who's on the other side. We're ready to go. We've been here before and we can go and play our game. Yeah. You talked about it a little bit there with the fall and the, and the winter scheduling and people outside of the area, the region. I mean, even within our state, right? You go up to Northern California where the weather is completely different, but people outside of this area don't really understand the, um, I guess the value uh, and the competition level of those fall ball and those winter ball games, right? I mean, oh, yeah. yes, you you may see an ace for an inning uh, or even, you know, 20 pitches, whatever it might be. Uh, but still, the competition level is really, really high. And it just really breeds kind of the success from the region. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. And I mean, this year, obviously, I, I hope it's an anomaly with all the rain we got. But usually we're in that 15 game range and we're trying to play the best teams possible and they're going to push us. They're going to try things. Maybe when we've talked with Corona about doing just execution games or or games where we just start runner on second, got to get them in. We'll do specific innings, things like that. But it allows us to work situations as well as play some of this top end talent. Whereas, as you said, other regions of the state and maybe even other country, they don't have sun for, I don't know, 330 days a year. And they don't have access to these fields like we do. And we're really lucky. There's some good leagues. There's some good tournaments that we can get in. And the kids can really be pushed year round. And you see that come spring. Kids kids are ready to go. Yeah. And then obviously then they head into the summer ball and, and, you know, with, with those, those experiences. And, you know, I know Chris, you and I have had this, this conversation pretty extensively and pretty frequently about that whole relationship with high school coaches and summer ball coaches. And, yeah. you know, you, you, you I, I, I want to just kind of get your take on that and where you see that going or, or what, you know, what you see, because you hear so many negative things and, and I don't think that it's always a negative relationship. No. You know, obviously it's like, 
like any other sort of relationship, right? There's there's good ones and there's bad ones. But yeah. I, you know, what's your take on it? And you know, what, how do you see that kind of how how have you taken those relationships, uh, you know, and, and have them help your program at Ayala? Well, there's there's a lot of really good programs, and you touched on it. With as many good, there are some that are not as good, but. I have a really good relationship with a lot of people and a lot of our kids, they play on every team you could possibly think of. We don't, I don't get involved with any of that stuff, but I do check in on them. And, you know, other than the pitchers where sometimes I'll just some concerns over innings or something like that, but we'll talk, we'll see how kids progress. And I think, I think it's good for them to get away from us. The kids, They, they need to hear different voices and it's good to go out and play people who maybe they don't see every single day. They need to get away from their friends a little bit, meet some new people, get challenged in different environments. And I think if you're in the, if you're on the right organization or an organization that's really focused on growing your ability, there's a lot of benefit to the high school team. During the summer, we don't really do a whole lot. We're going to do something a little different this summer where it's just going to be some workouts, but it's, it's important that these kids go out. They can, they can hear different voices. They're around kids who hopefully are better than them in the sense where they can be pushed really hard because I, I'm a, I'm a firm believer. If, if you have a goal to play division one baseball, you have a goal to play professional baseball, these summer leagues, you need to get on a team where there's a lot of those types of kids on there. Cause they're going to push you. Right. And I, I tend to agree with you there. It's, you know, if you can step up the competition at any point, whether it's during the high school season or in the summer or in the fall, being on scout ball, uh, for example, yes. uh, you know, I think that's obviously the 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 trickle down benefit is to the high school. Right. I mean, ultimately yes. to the school, to, I mean, to your program. So yeah. in my opinion, it's in your best interest to have players, you know, obviously playing you know different teams and, and just getting those experiences. Uh, so I, I, you and I, yeah, like I, I, said, I, we've had that conversation a few times and, uh, you know, it always t- seems to tend uh, to end in agreement. But uh, yeah. so you guys, you guys went on second place in league. You guys. Yes. But you open you open the playoffs against a, a really good Vista Marietta team on the road. Uh, you know, needed the extra inning there in the eighth inning to, to pull off the five, three win. So take us through that game a little bit. And then, you know, we'll chat a little bit of what you got coming up. Okay. Um, you know, Vista Marietta, everything we had heard about them was how good they are. They do the little things and they really force you to make mistakes. And we were fortunate. Um, they got us first and we were able to scratch a couple runs across. We went into the seventh. There was one out. We were up three to one. And then their pressure you know, made us make a mistake. They got two runs. They capitalized on it. But our kids, they didn't panic. Diego Santiago, who I think he's going to be another, I didn't talk about him earlier, but he's one of those kids I think down the line is going to be a very high profile kid, but he came in and threw an outstanding one and two thirds innings, um, controlled the fastball on both sides of the play, had a good feel for his off speed pitch. But, um, yeah, we just kept battling. And finally in that eighth inning, we kind of blew it open a little bit and, uh, we're able to hold on, but that's, they're a talented team. And, they had a couple of young kids out there that are going to be very good. Vista Maria is going to be around for a long time. Yeah, they they're a freshman class. They've got a couple of freshmen that are are special, and they've got a couple of sophomores too. Yeah, they're you're right. They're, that's a team that 
for you is a very, very good playoff win to put on your resume. <laughs> uh, but that that's a team that's going to be pretty good for, for a while here. Yeah. Uh, so next up for you, uh, you have the, uh, the, the pleasure of hosting tomorrow, which yes. is a, a huge win in and of itself for you, I think. Uh, but you get to host Harvard-Westlake uh, out of the Mission League. What do you what what's kind of the game plan here? Who you who you pitching? Uh, what do you know about Harvard Westlake, and what are you expecting? Um, we to be honest, we don't go north very often, so we don't we haven't. I don't think I've played them probably in. I think um, Flannerty pitched against us. That's how long it's been, and it was a fall league game or something like that. So that had to have been five years ago, something like that. But we yeah, know that, that was like, that was, that was like one of those three way deals. Wasn't it? I think actually, you know, I think it was a long beach camp like uh, years ago. Yep. Yep. We, we I, played. Yep. I remember. Okay. I got you. I and got we, you. I mean, that was back in the Eric Chaw and Tyler Derna days. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> that, it's been a while for sure. Yeah. But they're, I mean, we know the names they're, they're very talented. Um, they play the game the right way. You, you watch, you see video, you, you talk to people and it's just like, they, they do the little things right. And at this point, you know, coaches, teachers, they've kind of stuck their head in how's Harvard Westlake. It's kind of the, the normal thing. Like everyone's good at this point. And we have to be, you know, our game plan is don't worry about who's over there. Don't worry about who's on the mound. Don't worry about who's up. We got to play against the game. We're not playing against a player. We're not playing against Harvard Westlake. We're playing against the game. So we have to execute. We have to play our game. Yeah, it should be a, a really good game, and it's yeah, you know, it's a little bit of a disappointing uh, deal for me. I just was looking over the brackets over the weekend, and you know, all these games are on Tuesday at three fifteen, <laughs> and it's Division One through Division Seven, and it's like, man, how do you choose just one? There's so many good games, but uh, this one will will undoubtedly be one of those good ones, I think, and the winner gets a trip off to the quarterfinals. Uh, so, yeah. it sets, uh, so it sets up pretty well for both of you guys. But, uh, hey, Coach, Coach I'm, I'm, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, you know, I appreciate you making some time to come out and talk about your team and share some insights on different stuff with us. So, I mean, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, no problem, Les. And, you know, I appreciate it. I know I speak for a lot of other coaches. Everything you do for high school baseball, it's, I enjoy reading your stuff, listening to your podcast, and you do a lot of good. And, you know, keep up the good work. Really appreciate that, Chris, and uh, we'll be in touch real soon. All right, sounds good. We'll be right back with SoCal Area Scout Steve Doherty. Welcome back. Steve Doherty is back to break down the rest of the playoffs for us uh, here. So let's take a look here at the brackets. We're going to start with Division One. Yeah, some big time matchups here. I know a team that you've been in on uh, a few times this spring is Etiwanda. Man, they're at home against Olu, and you know we've seen enough ball games at Etiwanda to know that anything can happen at that ballpark. Last, I tell you what, man, um, so impressed with Etiwanda. Not just you know seeing them last week and and at the very beginning of the year, but you know these guys moving forward are super tough. Uh, just they, they come at you from so many different ways. And I really think Cody Freeman is the leader of that team. I mean, I mean, this kid just does, just does everything. Well, he's just a pressure player. I mean, every time I come in and see this guy, he makes just a, like out of his mind kind of defensive plays. And he did the same thing against Corona, um, stifled those guys in, 
and th- and then they came at you with the bats and the arms. And uh, Marcus Johnson was on the bump for that one, and he was he was outstanding. Uh, Matt Bardwell hit a home run. If he gets if he gets going with the bat, he could be really streaky with the bat, and his power is starting to show up here at the end of the year. So going forward, man, this Ed Owanda team is 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 pretty good. I think they took the title in 2017, if I'm not mistaken, and so they they've had a little taste, and uh, they're hungry. No doubt. Yeah, I want to stay on Freeman there for a second. You know, a lot of the scouts I've talked to recently, you know, he's really elevated his stock, man. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, plays with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. You know, you always hear the comments, oh, he's too small, he's too small. But this guy's really, really good and starting to show that he might be able to have what it takes to stay at shortstop in pro ball, man. And and it sounds like just based on what the what I've been hearing from scouts is – that he's going to have a decision to make here in the next month or so, whether to uh, you know sign a pro contract or, or head on and honor his commitment to Baylor. I last I, I think your hunch is a good one because you know there's a few guys in there uh, at the game the other day and it starts to make you wonder, hey, you know, are they there for Johnson? Are they there for Freeman? Uh, you know, what are they doing there? So uh, you never know. Uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people knew that his brother was going to be so such high of a pick, and and what a what a you know draft pick that turned out to be. So there's, uh, yep, there's some rumblings going around, and absolutely, this kid could stick at shortstop, no doubt. I actually thought he would be more of a you know, second baseman type if you were going to go pro, but man, I tell you what, man, the, the D is just it's it's a plus for that yeah. kid. And I'm with you, man. I, I thought for sure, you know, second baseman moving forward into pro ball. But yeah, man, I mean, he, you know, big ups to him, man. He's really, really worked uh, diligently to to prove that he can stay it short. But let's shift over to another one of the big games uh, on the day. Uh, in my opinion, there's there's two really huge games, and, and, and these two are the ones for me. Uh, and we'll start with uh, Miracosta hosting Notre Dame from Sherman Oaks, man. This is... Uh, you know, Miracosta's coming off a, a home win against Jay Serra. Uh, Notre Dame's coming off a home win against Dos Pueblos from the Santa Barbara area. Uh, both games you, a little closer, I think, than, than you would have thought. I mean, I would have thought Notre Dame would have had an easier time with Dos Pueblos. Instead, they won 2 nothing. Uh, Miracosta, uh, they, they ended up winning an 8 against Jay Serra. That game I expected to be as close. Uh, the other one, the score surprised me a little bit, but uh, this should be a heck of a game with Jared Karros getting the start for Miracosta uh, on the bump, though. He's going to be exciting to watch, <laughs> and uh, that's going to be an awesome one, man, no doubt. I'm going to be heading... Not heading over, but another really interesting one is the Capitol Valley Cypress on the same side of the bracket. So, you know, the, the winner of the Miracosta game may end up, you know, uh, playing the winner of this one somewhere, I believe, in the semis. Uh, Capitol Valley I've been on a couple times. Cypress I've seen a handful of times. Uh, you know, the defending champs, Capitol Valley, here we go, with a couple added pieces over there is 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 going to be a tough team. And of course, Cypress—they just keep coming at you with, with prospects and and, and, and D1 commits, and so uh, that's going to be a pretty cool game to be at. I might actually check that one out. 
Yeah, well, you might be uh, you might be seeing me there because uh, that's yeah that Cypress game that Cypress Capital Valley game is gonna be pretty good. Uh, but you know what? Let's shift gears over to D two though. There's a bunch of good games in D two as well. That Santa Margarita Damien game really really sticks out to me. I mean that's a that's a that's a big time game. Uh, you know, for you know the two private schools doing battle, both schools are have been in D one, and uh, you know that that's a big time that's a big time matchup. You eyeing any games in D two potentially as as we we should probably say that all of these games are Tuesday at three fifteen, which is really a bummer for baseball fans, right? Though I mean, it's just really a shame that that it. All of these games are happening at the same time, uh, limiting the opportunity for people to see multiple games uh, in the postseason. Yeah, I wish we can give all these teams all the love and and be at every one of them. And you know, our our coverage arm only reaches so far, and uh, you know, all these games are on one day, so uh, we'll have to split it up accordingly and just pick the ones we think uh, are are, are going to have some fireworks in it. And you know, the Redondo MLK. Uh, as you aforementioned them before, is going to be going to be you know one possibly with some fireworks over there. Um, I mean, up and down this division two second round. I mean, there's there's some more games. Tell tell me which other ones you like. Well, no nah, man, there, there's there's quite a few of them, and I, I'm going to give you a couple ones in D two that I really like. Um, I really like that Oaks Christian having to go to Temescal Canyon. Uh, I think that really sets up for Temesco Canyon. Those guys can hit, man. Uh, you know, uh, Coach Post has got that thing uh, dialed in over there. I mean, those guys can can really, really hit the ball. Uh, I really like uh, Thousand Oaks Crescent Valley. I think that could be uh, a good game. But here's my sneaky game in D2, and it's Maranatha going to Quartz Hill. So it's either going to be it's either going to be Owen Hackman. Um, or Dawson Nats going to Quartz Hill up in the Lancaster area where those guys don't, those guys put up something like 12 runs a game during, you know, and in their league, it's like 15 runs a game. So that could get interesting. You talk about fireworks, man, that, that one could be the one uh, that has the most fireworks. Yeah. 21 and eight. And it's probably the, you know, 21 wins is probably the most those quiet 21 wins I've, I've ever seen. So those guys over at Ramanatha better better be careful. Yeah, you know, St. Bonaventure, Norco could be a good game too. Uh, and then, you know, hey, the, Villa Park, I mean, Coach Call, uh, he's done a phenomenal job there. They won a big game against CDM last week, but, you know, now they go down to Temecula Valley, who pulled the upset against San Dimas. So D2 is just crazy, man. And, and you, know, you dive into D3 and D4, and it gets even crazier from there. But uh, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of fun playoff stuff going on. So, all right, here we go. So I'm going to put you on the spot. We're going to go game picks. Game picks on D1. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Let's do it. Let's start in the middle. Uh, La Mirada, Palm Desert. Whoa. I'm going La Mirada. Okay. That game being in Palm Desert. There's a little history here between those two teams recently, uh, but I'm going to go with La Mirada uh, on that one with you. Um, Ukaipa at West Ranch. I'm going to go Ukaipa on this one if 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 Tyson's on the mound uh, and he is he's focused and determined he is really really tough to beat. Yeah, I'm really I'm really uh I'm really torn here because on our last podcast I told you that I had Ukaipa as my sleeper in D1. Uh, but I really, really like West Ranch, Coach Burl, uh, just that program, that team uh, and they're at home. 
Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go West Ranch. I'm going to go West Ranch. I'm going to take the home team Wildcats here in in that one. So uh, let's shift over to Olu against Etiwanda at Etiwanda. Yeah, I'm I'm going to, you know, from uh, avoiding some some flack on this one, I did say in a former podcast that this is Olu's year. I'm sticking with it. Les, I, I can't believe I even remembered saying that, but I, it's going to be Olu for me. Even and this this game is going to be sweet, man. I just I don't know. That might be the one I go to too. Uh, you know, Can I be split it, up in two, man? Can I be split up? I mean, bro, if you find a way to do that, please let me know because I'd like to do it myself. You know, uh, but hey, you know what? I'm glad you. I'm glad you remembered. I'm glad you remembered that you said that comment about Olu because if you didn't, you know somebody would and probably blast you on Twitter. So it's a good thing, it's a good thing you remembered. But I'm with you. I'm going to go with Olu. Uh, next up is Aliso Niguel at El Toro. I'm going to Lisa Niguel with too much pitching. Uh, the guys that are pitching are hot with the bat as well. It's it's a snowball going downhill. I'm going to Lisa. Yeah, I think you and I uh, agree when when I say are, are both are in the same boat when I say that we're huge uh, Shane Simpson and Paul Skeens fans. Uh, but I'm with you. I, I'm going to go with the pitching of Aliso uh, on this one. Uh, let's go Bishop Amat at Huntington Beach. HB all the way. I'm in. I've been in since the beginning. Uh, I want to see these guys succeed. Uh, there's just an immense amount of talent over there. Love Benji Madur. Love what he's doing. And uh, HB for me, Les. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Jacob Vargas, uh, the junior pitcher over at Bishop Amat. Uh, and unfortunately for the Lancers, he pitched in that opening game for them. So uh, it's going to be. Um, Probably, you know, all hands on deck for the for the Lancers there and Huntington Beach at home. They're just really tough to beat. So I'm going to go with the Oilers as well. All right. So let's get into the the big time, big time games here. So let's start with uh, Ayala at home against Harvard Westlake. Harvard Westlake for me, PCA, uh, you know, is is over there amongst others that, that you and I talk about all the time. Uh, just too good to 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 bow out here in the second round. Harvard Westlake. Okay, uh, they did throw Sam Laboki last week, and I believe he threw a, in the low eighties, making him, I guess, available if you will uh, for this game. I don't think he'll start by any stretch, um, and. Oh man, this is a really tough pick for me, though. Uh, I think I I think I like Ayala at home here uh, to pull it off. That's good. That crowd's going to be uh, absolutely nuts. So I'm going to go with Ayala, the home team here. Uh, all right, let's shift down. We're going to go to uh, Miracosta against Notre Dame at home. Miracosta is. Whoa, uh, you know I have. To be honest, I haven't seen Notre Dame this year. I've seen Miracosta a couple times. Jeez. Um, I'm going to go Miracosta just because of the Karos factor. Uh, and amongst others, there's a ton of players over there that we love uh, on both teams. And, and God, this 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 is tough. Uh, Miracosta. <laughs> yeah, right, you <laughs> and know, no I mean, offense, Les. No, no, no. Any not, of these not, coaches and were players and, and I – I just love the players on all these teams, and I could talk about each one of them individually. And um, man, 
Right. I gotta hey, call. I, I gotta call my mom or something. Well, I, I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, no. I, I'm sure we'll hear it. You know. On, you know. Like I said on Twitter, but uh, you know, somebody's gonna hold us our feet to the fire on this. But we're just trying to have a little fun here. Uh, like I said, I, I was putting you on the spot, and I'm gonna put you on the spot for the last game in D1, <laughs> and that is Capel Valley at home to Cyprus. Lord have mercy. I'm going. I'm going. Cyprus. Too, too much of everything. Webb dial, is dialing these kids in. Um, and I'm going Cyprus. That's it. That's what I'm making my pick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Wozniak is, is very likely to be on the mound here. Uh, and, and, you know, he's... I mean, he's no slouch committed to University of Nebraska there, and and he, man, Cypress is a really, really good team, as is Capital Valley, defending D1 champs, but I'm with you. I like Cypress to go on the road uh, and pull off the win and uh, move into the quarterfinals, which will be played Friday um, at the varying sites, so... Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, there, there's those are picks for the games tomorrow. Take it easy on us uh, when you see us. Take it easy on us on Twitter. We're just having a little fun. Um, in the grand scheme of things, this isn't all that important. So, having said that, Doe, man, I appreciate you uh, squeezing time for making some time for me and squeezing me in. And uh, uh, you know, you still haven't told us though where you're going tomorrow. So I guess we'll have to find out via Twitter, won't we? You sure will, Les. So um, it's exactly how it's going to happen tomorrow. So <laughs> I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping that this podcast and our picks give some bulletin board material for the for the teams that we didn't pick. And so good luck to all of them tomorrow. Uh, just super stoked to, to get out there and see some 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 really good baseball. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Del. Well, appreciate you making some time, brother, as always. And uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll we'll talk real soon. Thanks, Les. All right, buddy. I want to thank my guests for joining me on the podcast today. We'll be back later this week with a special podcast as National Crosschecker Shooter Hunt and I take a look at our recently released Class of 20 and 21 player rankings. Until next time, we'll see you at the yard.